Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. I'm Chrissy Jambowski and have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. One of us is in the school-age day-to-day of parenting. And one of us is on the other side now. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Beth Ann. And this is Chrissy, and today we are here with Selena Morezzi from Karen Treatment Centers, one of CTC's partners um, that we have partnered with for lots of different programs over the years. Uh, And we're so excited because she is here today to tell us everything about vaping, about nicotine, all the things that we want to know for all of, you know, our middle schools, our high schoolers. I really hope you don't say elementary schoolers, but I feel like you might say that. So we'll just have to find out and see. Um, So Selena, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Thanks, Selena. Um, So I thought we might just start getting a little bit of background information about you and about Karen Treatment Centers and what it is your organization does and what you do with your role with Karen Treatment Centers. Sure. So Karen is actually one of the oldest treatment facilities in the country. Um, We've been around for more than 60 years providing, um, you know, behavioral health care and addiction treatment. And we have inpatient programs that serve teens all the way to older adults, so retirees and, and beyond. And I actually work for their student assistance program, which has been around for 30 years. That's actually a really unique component of Karen because a lot of treatment facilities don't have that prevention component. So um, the student assistance program is, is actually um, pretty great because it is a unique component of Karen. <clears throat> My role there is a lead student assistance specialist. So I actually work in the Philadelphia region. I oversee a lot of our programming there, but mostly um, I, I focus on nicotine prevention and cessation, as well as parent presentations and professional um, education. So, Selena, you are here today to tell us all about everything to do with nicotine, vaping. Vaping came out a little, maybe a couple years ago, but it seems to be one of those things that we're like, is it going away? Is it coming back? Is it here to stay? Um, So we have our whole list of questions and things, I think, of the essentials that parents need to know. So first off, what is vaping? Like, if you had to explain what it is, and we'll start there. Lots of questions, but we'll start there. Sure. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm thinking about how to describe vaping, I really actually like to talk a little bit about the history of vaping. because so I think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because vaping really started out as what we, what we would call a harm reduction tool. Now, that's kind of a hard thing to say because I think that that's, harm reduction is a misleading term. It does not imply harmless and it doesn't remove the harm of the product. Harm reduction really meant that these products were, were aimed at their target market. It was really adults who were using a lot of traditional cigarettes. And they were really targeting adults who were smoking a lot of cigarettes. They even looked like cigarettes when they first came out, mm-hmm. vaping devices. Um, But really what we found, what they found, was that adults weren't interested in these products. They wanted to either smoke cigarettes or quit. Um, So they had to shift their focus onto a different market. And that really, unfortunately, was was kids. And we saw that really clearly in the way that the products changed. They went from looking like cigarettes to looking colorful, um, looking objects or, or objects that were easy to conceal. 
and of course the flavoring, the, the candy fl flavoring was added. So it was really clear who the, who the target market was. So that was really how vaping started. Um, and it really shifted to a youth-based product pretty quickly after it was first developed. Um, so Selena, so taking the history of, of vaping and, it, and it's been around a while and its target audience was originally adults, shifted very quickly to youth. Um, just to give us a little bit of that progression as far as the vaping, the devices and the products that are used so the folks have a better understanding about that delivery system and what goes in it and then the harmful effects that happen to, to the body as a result of using you know, the vaping process and, and the products. Sure. So yeah, it started out the the actual like aesthetics of it. It started out looking like a cigarette, and then it moved to these hookah pens that were like colorful and bright. And then as time went on, it moved to these what we call mods. These modification like you could actually modify these devices. They were large and clunky. You actually had to buy the nicotine liquid separately. You could get it in different flavors and what they were what they referred to as different um, levels of nicotine, and you had to add it into these modification these mod devices. Now these were really obvious because they were they were big and clunky and it was and it was very clear that someone was using them. So the progression from that point really went to these more sleek products, these products like the Jewel, things that actually looked like other devices, other other things that could be confusing for parents and teachers. So they looked like USBs, they looked at like um uh whiteout, those little whiteout rolled-on devices. These were smaller, sleeker, um, closed closed devices, meaning that they actually came with preloaded pods. So they were neater and easy to hide. But there was a change in the law uh, fairly recently where they were trying to ban these products, or at least not the actual products themselves, but the flavors that went into these products. So something like the Jewel, which once had 70% of the market, actually um, lost a lot of that because they were very limited in the amount of flavors they could sell, which I believe is just mint and, and tobacco flavor. There was a slight um loophole in the law which allowed for um these disposable products to now be sold and they're allowed to sell flavors um because so that's why what we primarily see as far as vaping devices now are products that come with all of the flavors that were once appealing but you can throw them out so they're one and done kind of products still small still sleek disposable products are primarily what we're seeing now now, the, 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 all of these devices pretty much work in the same way. They need um, a handful of ingredients, and that's some of their marketing is they'll say, oh, we only have five ingredients, implying that there's some kind of safe component to the, the limited amount of ingredients that they have. But these five ingredients for all vape devices are propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, water, nicotine, and some kind of flavor. But when you heat, these, when you heat this liquid, you produce something different. You produce carcinogens, um, which we know are cancer-causing chemicals. So that's where the real um, health implications start to come in, is that we see that these cancer-causing chemicals exist when you're heating the products. When you're heating the ingredients, it produces these um, carcinogens. So are there any products now that say that they are nicotine-free and it's just flavors or it's just mm -hmm. water vapor? Because I have to imagine, you know, if you're a kid and you have this thing that you can breathe in cotton candy flavored vapor and blow it out, <laughs> it probably looks really cool and it sounds really interesting. So, or do sure. all of them pretty much have the nicotine in them? 
which makes well, it that that ha- which causes the addiction piece of it, right? So when we test them, primarily, yes, um, nicotine is in a lot of them. When we talk about a carton, and nicotine, of course, has its own dangers, especially the the addiction component Mm -hmm. and the high levels of nicotine that are in these products. It's alarming. But every vape device needs propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, and and water to to work. Okay. And the propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin, even if you're saying there's no nicotine added and it's just bubblegum flavor or it's just essential oils is another one that we see a lot. You need that propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. And when you heat those items, mm-hmm. that's when you're creating that oh. harm. So, you know, basically, no matter the information that they're sharing, yep. um, it, that's still present in all in all the devices. So that's still like really interesting. Oh, so no matter what, okay. So there is always going to be this this a carcinogenic effect, basically a harmful yeah, when effect that at all right, costs exactly. we could avoid. Right. We would like to avoid. Yeah, you're heating something that shouldn't be heated yeah. and inhaled. Right. Essentially, right. got it. Yeah. Right. Oh my yeah. gosh. And so, okay. and so what happens after kids are, or a person, right, is using these substances? Like what are the health effects on you, on the sure. body? Like what happens? So, you know, again, long-term, we're kind of still waiting, right, to see exactly what the long-term effects are going to be. But short-term, um, you know, we, we do have students that report, I have this cough that won't go away. We're actually referring to it as Japer's cough. It's this chronic cough that's just persistent. We have students that, that um, do complain about shortness of breath. Um, and really, the bigger concern that we see is withdrawal symptoms. You know, these devices are incredibly effective as far as a delivery system for nicotine. It, it's getting to people's brains in you know, seven to 10 seconds after they, they vape. Mm. Um, it's it's uh, staying in their system. We're talking about really high levels of nicotine. Most of these products are really delivering the same amount as a pack of cigarettes when you're talking about like one pod, um, sometimes more. So kids are getting addicted really fast. And that's really probably our biggest concern at um, short term. It's just the level of um, you know how fast it, it can get to your system and how fast you can become addicted to these items. And it leaves your system within 30 minutes of the last time you use. So we have kids that are going through withdrawal throughout the school day and really mm. experiencing some of these uncomfortable feelings, having difficulty concentrating, that sort of thing, because they're, they're becoming um, addicted to nicotine. A pack of cigarettes is in one of those pods? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And they're and they're using them in like really short periods of time sometimes. Jeez. Yeah. I think I in my head had equivalent to like a cigarette. But this is the thing <laughs> is that you just don't you don't realize and you got to think about it. You don't have to go anywhere. There's no barriers. Nope. Clean indoor air no, act. No. There's you can't smoke anywhere anymore. No. And no. you right. can vape. I mean, there's sweatshirts that exist that have hoodies, Little hoodies that yeah. have straws in the ribbons around the hoodie and you hook your vape yeah. pen into it so right. you can go and vape through the hoodie to yeah. hide it. So you don't With even think about it in the back of the classroom. Right. It's uh, yeah. it's all right. You don't even know something. You could be sitting next to someone and not know they are vaping in the car yeah. or ever, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think to me is the amount, yes. the sheer yeah. amount of nicotine in that a pack of cigarettes. Yep. Yeah. I think people just equate vape one vape, you know, whatever pod to yeah. it's like a curing pod. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, it's like one cup of coffee. No, like one yeah. cigarette. Yep. That's a whole yeah. pack. Yep. Whole Kids pack. normally wouldn't necessarily smoke an entire pack of cigarettes. Well, and that's yeah. the thing. hard to do. Yeah, that's the thing. You yeah. can't. Like you physically physically can't yeah. sit no, there no one can no. physically sit there <laughs> no. and smoke chain smoke back to back to back 20 cigarettes in a row no. you just can't right. there's no way that you, you can could, you could vape a pod in a shorter a shorter period of time very shorter period of time that yeah. to me is, is, is 
You just definitely something to know. And that's the other thing too, is that, you know, it causes your, the dependency on this too, to increase really fast because it takes a long time to build up to, if you're thinking and comparing it to traditional cigarettes, cigarettes, right? Like it takes a long time to build up to that. Like you can't go from smoking one cigarette today to smoking 20. Like you just can't, your body can't do it, but you can go from, you know, hitting a jewel one time a day to 20, what, within a matter of a day or two, Selena? Well, you could do it. You could do it faster. Yeah. It depends on your motivation, but you could definitely do it pretty fast. I mean, I have kids that are in my groups that only started vaping a short period of time ago and they're saying I'm questioning whether or not I could stop vaping and I've only been vaping for two months. Wow. That's fast. That is quick. That is really alarming. So I just, so I have just a question about just trends. Um, You know, is there an observation in general that youth um, along with vaping nicotine products or flavored products, um, is there a trend for also vaping THC? Yeah. Observation in the general population of youth. Sure. We're certainly seeing that as a trend among, you know, many of the youth that we're working with. And I think then that that might be something that, you know, in another podcast that we kind of explore that conversation, because I think that as we continue to have this conversation about vaping, that parents um, and also teachers and and school staff might be really interested in that component also, because that might be their observation. Know, in, in their school setting too. So, um, but to stay along this conversation about youth, I mean, who are we seeing among youth that are actually using nicotine and vape products? Is there, is this sort of this, um, like everyone or are we, is there some sort of demographics or something about who are we seeing among youth that are using the vaping and nicotine products? Sure. Um, you know, I was thinking about this question and I think that it's actually interesting depending on where you are, like regionally, um, really dictates what kind of products you're using. Um, as far as age goes, unfortunately, we are seeing across the board, middle school, high school kids are, are um, curious about these products and are trying these products. We have um, had some reports of uh, kids as young as fifth, fifth grade using as well. Um, but generally, um, most of our programs are targeted at middle school and high school. But um, also regionally, like we get, we have, we service um, up and down the East Coast. So all the way down to Florida. So when we look at some of our Southern uh, staff, they're really reporting vaping, of course, but they're still still seeing higher levels of uh, use um, of those traditional tobacco products. So we're still seeing higher levels of tobacco smoked with cigarettes or chewed tobacco. Um, when we come into our area, like the Philadelphia region and the surrounding suburbs, um, vaping in the suburbs is pretty pretty much key here. But I do still see some um, traditional tobacco use, although not as, not as prevalent. And then when, when I go into some of the rural areas surrounding our suburbs, I see higher levels of traditional tobacco use, cigarettes and and, mm-hmm. uh, and chew, but still vaping. So vaping is pretty much across the board up and down the East Coast. But depending mm-hmm. on where we are, we're still seeing some other products kind of mixed in there a little bit. So what would be like the name brands of these products that you're seeing? Is it, is the jewel still holding steady? Is it these other things that are these like one and done things? Like what, yeah. are, what are the brand types of things we should be looking out for? The one and dons are starting to really kind of uh, corner the market. So the puff bar is one of the really popular ones that we see. You can get them in the Wawa. They're behind the counter. You can get them at, at any of the any any places. You can get them online. I mean, they're they're very prevalent. The jewel does not have the market um, power that it once had because, because of the, the flavors fact that are gone. 
Yeah, their hands are tied. So yeah, the puff of these these other disposable products, which you know look similar, little little sleek little devices that are easy to hide, um, they really have cornered the market at this point. And then you have to be held in Pennsylvania in order to purchase legally. Twenty twenty one. Twenty one. So same as alcohol. Twenty one. Okay. Yeah. Across the board. That's national now. But they are. So like mm. these puff bars and stuff are sold at what? Gas stations, Wawa's, convenience stores. Get them anywhere. Online, anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Easy, oh, they're easy to too. get hold of. Yeah, they're pretty easy online. to get hold of. Um, so in the case is a follow-up question on this. I recently saw some um, information from different public health groups uh, about vaping. And one of the things that they were asking about that are available in some parts of the country are the boxes to collect, to dispose of vaping devices. And it was um, something that a few communities were looking into, sort of like the disposals for um, prescription drugs. And we do drug take back. And I didn't know, and and, um, I cannot remember which coalitions were sharing this information about how this is working. They have campaigns for this um, to collect these throwaway vaping devices. Do we have anything going on here in our, you know, Philadelphia area related to that? Not that I've heard of, actually. That's some of the, okay. first, the, it's the new information to me. I, uh, it yeah. sounds smart yeah. because I, you know, you yeah. think about younger siblings getting a hold of these products. Or, right. Yeah, it exactly. seems like a safe way to dispose of them. But I don't, unfortunately, I don't okay. know of any. I was yeah. just, yeah, curious. It was within the last month or so that I saw some different, some, you know, um, drug prevention, substance use prevention coalition mm-hmm. groups that were exploring this idea of boxes that you know recycle to collect or these boxes. So. Sure. So just the question to see if that's out there. Yeah. But, Not that I'm aware okay. of yet. Put it yeah. out in the universe okay. and perhaps it shall appear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so Selena, wait, just to back up for a second, thinking of purchasing. So it sounds like these products are pretty available to us, but then kids can also, if they're buying them online, I mean, I guess you could just lie about your age and use it that yeah. way, but you would need access to a credit card or something in order to do that. Yeah. Are you seeing that's happening or? For sure. So like when we're educating parents, um, you know, doing our our general prevention presentations, we really encourage parents to not give um, open-ended things like gift cards or cash um, as gifts. Or if there's a party coming up and for your child, you know, to encourage um, people who who will be bringing gifts to bring really um, specific gift cards like GameStop or Target or, you know, something where the, the money needs to be spent at that specific location, um, preferably when we're vape, vaping, <laughs> they can't purchase a vaping device because they could, you know, these open-ended uh-huh. these, uh, Visa cards or cash, you know, buying from a peer or, old, you know, a peer's older sibling, um, it gives them a little bit more um, buying power that we don't necessarily want to have. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and I mean, in general, I we really do encourage like specific gift cards, but if um, if you're a concerned parent too, like really one of the keys there is just to keep having open conversations with your kids about this, you know, and and really get a take the temperature of what they're seeing at school. Is it is it something that's available at school? Is it something available? Um, you know, from their, 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 their friends mm-hmm. using, like get a, get an idea of what's going on with your kid. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably some of the best prevention, but yeah, um, just as an extra precaution. Wow. If they're not using those gift cards. I never would have thought about no. that. Cause I feel I like never that's, thought of that. it's a top, it's no. a top thing is like, Oh, just give it, you know, for a birthday, how many birthday parties do we all go to? Right. You just, and just here's yeah. a $25 right. Visa gift card or a and, reloadable yeah. Amex thing. 
And we yeah. do it for, when do we start doing that? Typically middle school, high school, because we yeah. run out of ideas for gifts. Uh -huh. So we're yeah. thinking, oh, you have flexibility. Not yeah. thinking, oh, you now have flexibility to use it to purchase a, a harmful substance yeah. to your body. But it that does give them a lot of opportunity to do that. That's good sure. to know. Gift cards. Yeah. Specific, know. specific <laughs> gift <laughs> cards as we enter the holiday season shopping. Yeah, no yeah. stocking stuffer like that. No. <laughs> for middle school, high school. Oh, nope. <laughs> Good. Oh, heavens. Okay. Um, so continuing this sort of this conversation as we talk about the product and the product itself, but um, what are we, what are you seeing in your work as far as like, how are youth using these products? So is it in a binging? Is it daily, regular use um, before school? Just kind of what are the patterns sure. of use? Well, you know, I like to refer a lot to um, monitoring the future. It's uh, data that we that we gather from the National Institutes of Health and University of Michigan get together every year and really provide this really solid data. And when we're kind of thinking about like who's using nationally, we typically refer to that data. And um, you know, daily use in 2020, they reported that two percent of eighth graders are using daily vaping daily. Um, about six and a half percent of 10th graders are vaping daily and almost 9% of 12th graders are vaping daily. So these are, you know, when we think about the daily users, these are our, our, um, our kids that are clearly addicted to nicotine. They're using it daily. Um, and in our groups, these are the ones, these are the kids that we normally see in our cessation groups. And the way they're using is really throughout the day because that's the nature of nicotine, right? Um, you go through nicotine withdrawal, it leaves your system really quickly. Like I said, you know, you're talking like 30 minutes after the last time somebody used, they start to experience some of these uncomfortable withdrawal symptoms. So what that means is you have kids that are in school, are daily users who are in school, who are really struggling to kind of make it, you know, to second period, to, to lunch, um, because they're starting to feel stressed out. They're starting potentially to feel a little nauseous. They have a headache. They're having a hard time concentrating. So they you know, these are the ones that get up and go to the bathroom and, and, and vape throughout the day. So it's typically for our daily users, it's how they're using. When we look at overall question of monitoring the future is, ha have you ever tried vaping? Um, those numbers are larger, of course. You know, um, for eighth graders, we're looking about 23% of eighth graders nationally have said they've tried. Almost 40% of 10th graders have said they tried, and 44% of 12th graders have said they tried. Mm. But these are our students that are you know, maybe going to a party um, and somebody's vaping. Maybe it's after school, you know, in different settings where it's available to them. These aren't the ones that are necessarily seeking it out throughout the day to get through the day. These are the ones that are trying it in social settings. Um, the good news there is that, you know, the numbers are different. So we have kids that are trying it who aren't becoming daily users. Um, so there is some positive news when it comes to those sorts of numbers. But those, those daily user numbers are still pretty concerning. And they also seem to increase as the age level increases. It does, yeah. So the more exposure they have, um, you know, the more likely they are to, to become addicted to the product. Yeah. And kind of what would you say maybe from, you know, feedback from students or kind of what you're seeing in the field? Is there any kind of trends or themes as to why students say that they choose to use? Is it the novelty yeah. of it? The coping i'm sure there's more to it like yeah. what are your, what are you hearing from from kids that are are actually working with you to try to quit and become nicotine yeah. free or vape free yeah. or you know <laughs> nicotine free yeah definitely um you know initially most of them say they were curious um most of them say you know when we th um think about when i when i talk about those numbers 
the monitoring future numbers I just gave you. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, I first, I use those as an education tool because I first asked kids, what percentage of eighth graders do you think are using? What percentage of 10th graders? What percentage, what percentage of 12th, 12th graders? And they're guessing these extraordinarily high numbers. You know, they're like, oh, 99% of 12th graders are vaping, you know, and, <laughs> and these are, these are, you know, our wonderful, well-educated kids that are, they're thinking that everyone's doing it. So I use that as an opportunity to really educate kids. You know, let's look at the actual facts. You know, more kids aren't vaping than are, you know, and that's really good news. That's social norms theory. And that's really a great mm -hmm. tool for us to have. Um, so then when, 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 bringing us back to my cessation groups, when I ask kids, why are you using this? Like, what are you getting from it? You know, why did you start? One of the first questions they really, or one of the first um, reasons they start is because of that curiosity and that pressure. They think everyone's using it. Um, they're they're really questioning why they're not why they're why they're not choosing to participate because they assume that all these people are using. So again, social norms theory, really educating our kids about why. Uh, like what the actual numbers are is a really important key. So curiosity, internal, external pressures, for sure, is one of the first reasons. Second reason I would say is stress. Um, they all kind of come back and say, I'm looking for some way to relieve stress. Our kids mm -hmm. are pretty stressed out, right? Um, we have COVID. We have uh, all sorts of, you know, really high achieving, wonderful kids that are trying to do all these things. Um, and they're stressed. So, um they're, they're seeking this out because people are telling them this is a way to, to relieve some of their stress. It's, it's a coping mechanism. So, again, an opportunity for us as educators, for parents to really give our kids some really healthy coping uh, skills as opposed to doing this, um, having them resort to vaping as a stress reduction device. And then uh, most of the time, too, at least in my um, groups, the kids report as sort of the third, I guess, big option. reason they do it is because of... Um, anger, uncomfortable emotions, boredom, mm. you know, not knowing what to do with these big feelings that they have right now, because, you know, their brain's still developing, and they get overwhelmed by these big feelings that they have, and not really knowing where to put them. Um, so sometimes vaping is, is one way that they see as an outlet to kind of navigate those, those feelings, those uncomfortable feelings. And that's an interesting thing, actually, just you made me think of, um, when I read uh, Jessica Leahy's book, The Addiction Inoculation, she, I have to find it and I'll link this in the show notes too, the book, because in it, there's a whole chapter that talks about the brain and brain development, but it specifically talks about how kids, when they are in, I want to say adolescence, middle school, high school age, it's actually the time of their life when you have the least naturally occurring dopamine, which is those feel good chemicals. Mm -hmm. So that pairs with the time when you're most likely to, because your prefrontal cortex and impulse control isn't fully developed. So yep. having the, the lowest dopamine with trying to novelty seeking, right? So trying to figure out, okay, well, where, what can I do with my feelings and all these things and get those feel good dopamines, you know, response going. Um, mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting of all the ages it's during adolescence. So it pairs very nicely, low, low dopamine <laughs> yeah. with risk taking. So I yeah. thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Got to be careful. Okay. Selena, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from you, how us parents, how we can talk to our kids about all things vaping. We'll be right back. Hey, Chrissy here. I just wanted to take a minute to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying our podcast and finding the information helpful, would you please share it with someone? 
a friend, a fellow parent, your partner, or another family member or grandparent, we're hoping to support as many parents and caregivers as possible. And we know word of mouth is the best way to reach others in our community. Thanks so much for helping us share the podcast and taking the time to listen. Okay, back to our conversation. Okay, so we're back from our break, and we'd like to continue our conversation with Selena about vaping. And I think, Selena, as parents, you know, one of the things that we always we struggle with is how do we talk to, you know, what age is appropriate, and 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 what do we say and what don't we say, and just how do we engage in that conversation with our our kids, so um, so that we can have these effective conversations, and also that we're listening and they're listening to us. So, any suggestions that you have, your experience on how to do that? Sure. Yeah, you know, I think one of the key things is just to remember as a parent that you're still the number one influence in your kid's life. Um, you know, and to talk about to you're the number one influence throughout their life. You're talking about the elementary kids and the middle school kids and even your high school kids, your teens that you're thinking <laughs> they don't want to hear what you have to say anymore. They certainly do. Um, they want to know about what your thoughts are. They want to know about what your feelings are. I mean, when we look at the PACE data, you know, and that question about favorable attitudes towards drug use, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really important um, piece there because if, if, our kids think that their parents are favorable or at least neutral about some of these effects. They're going to mm-hmm. feel like they're more, they're, it's okay for them to use. So we need to be really clear about what our thoughts are about these products. We need to be really clear about our disapproval of use of these products because us as our parents, you know, we're parents and we are, we have power behind that. And, and I think that, you know, I, I guess when that's when talking about when talking to your kids about about these products, remember the importance of your voice. I think it's really key there. And then um, one really neat tool that I love to use is that social norms theory, right? Mm. The idea that we really need to point out to our kids. Um, it's really important for them to know not everyone is using these. Let's look at the data. Let's look at the stats or each Stephen tell them, you know, when we look at the numbers, you might think all, all, all the kids in, the, in, in school are using them. They're really not. And that's important because if you choose not to use vaping products, you're in the majority. Um, it is more normal for you not to use than it is. So I think that helps empower our kids to know that they're not, um, you know, they, they want to, they want to take part. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of, and they, and if they, um, they know that choosing not to use is really key there. It's important for them to, to know that. So Selena, what would be maybe if we were concerned and maybe thought that our child might be, you know, experimenting or starting to use what might be, or thinking about it, or I don't know, we see something on social media, the phone, something, right. Um, what would be the signs that our kids might be using, um, either vaping products or even other nicotine products? Because there are other things sure. that still exist, even though we are seeing yep. mostly vaping as far as using for nicotine as of now. Sure. I think that, again, kind of going back to empowering parents, I mean, you're the expert on your kid. So if something changes about your kid and you have a, you know, you're concerned about that, follow that, explore that, figure out what's changed, figure out what's going on in your kid's life. Um but as far as like actual key observable observable behaviors, you know, any kind of physical changes are really key. If you're noticing that about your kid, um, behavioral attitude changes 
uh, you, again, you're the expert on your kid. You'll notice these shifts and these changes. And if something's changing and you're concerned about it, draw attention to it, figure out why it's happening. Um, and productivity changes, you know, grades. Are they not participating in activities they once loved? What's going on there? Um, that all warrants more exploration and figuring out um, what's changed and why. One of the things, Selena, when you were talking about signs and things, is there is there anything that's important to say here about friend groups? I mean, is yeah. there anything yeah. about this? Because, you know, you know, there's always the not my kids stuff, right? If they're athletes, they're not going to do this. If they're this, you know, they're in the band, they're not going to, you know, we have all of those kind of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But then I just think about like, who are your kids hanging out with? Yeah. You know, not that they're bad kids, but is there anything to say about the friend group? Yeah. I mean, I guess if, if the friend group has changed recently, um, you know, it, it's also worth exploration figuring out why why that friend group has changed who are these kids get to know them um okay you know know your know your kids friends too that's important and would you say also know the parents of your kids friends because i do feel like that's such a piece (laughs) of it with phones right so like it's kind of not the same thing of like you know you think about it it's it's you know Back in the day, back in my day as a child of the 80s and 90s, right? So, like, it would be, like, the phone. Where was the phone? In the kitchen, on the wall, on a cord. Someone (laughs) would call, right? Mm -hmm. Or someone would Mm -hmm. show up at the front door. Hey, can Chrissy come out and play? And the parent would kind of have eyes on all that. And so now that's all behind screens. It's just like, hey, Susie texted me and wants to go. Can I go over to her house and play for a little bit? Okay, bye. Like, but do we know Susie's parents? I don't know. I kind of know them. I don't know. Like, it's so it's, it's that missing piece too, that I think is, is difficult mm-hmm. and kind of another layer that, that just technology in general adds this extra layer and dynamic to parenting too. I agree. Yeah. It's important to know them. Okay. So as we try to wrap up all things vaping, um, we like to end every episode with our take action tips. So some simple, straightforward skills, tangible things that parents can do right away. So Selena, what would you say if you had to give parents, you know, one or two tips of what they can be doing right now, and maybe a tip geared towards parents of elementary school kids, and then one towards more middle and high school kids, what would they be re all things vaping? Sure. Um, let me think about this. So I think that, again, key is remember that you're the number one influence. Remember that, you know, what you have to say, um, your thoughts on things, your opinions on things are the, are going to dictate how your child um, will interact with these, with things like vape devices later on. Um, so feel empowered, <laughs> embrace your voice when it comes to that, because that's really, it's really important. But tips, um, you know, actually like really practical tip for all ages, is just eat dinner together. Eat, you know, stat, statistics show, five, you know, you eat dinner with your kids, five to seven dinners a week, they're going to have significantly less, um, they're going to use less uh, substances, they're going to vape less, it just shows again and again, um, the what role just eating together, how, how important that is in our lives. And if you're, you know, have kids that are in all sorts of activities, and you're driving them all around, um, take that time in that car, you know, shut off the radio, have those conversations, ask open-ended questions. <laughs> you know, I, I ask my kids, how did the day go? Fine. You need to ask those open-ended yeah. questions so you're hearing more about what's going on in their life. So take that time uh, together to connect and have conversations. And then, um, you know, again, kind of leading back to, to why they're using and stress being one of the, the big 
the big reasons is that we need to we need to make sure that our kids know what um, what their healthy coping skills are. But and they can be they can be easy, they can be free, and they can be things like let's take a moment to take a deep breath. Let's take three because that shows that's really better than one. Let's exercise. Um, let's let's look at some hobbies and some interests that you have. Let's have downtime where we're just hanging out and listening to music and letting our imagination grow and you know laughing together, watching something funny. And um, you know who are your support people? Helping your kids identify who are the who are your people that you go mm-hmm. to when you're sad. Who are those people that you go to when you're angry? Um, even if it's silly, let's let's write them down. Let's identify who those people are so that when you're having a stressful moment, when you're angry, when you're having those uncomfortable big emotions, who are those people you're reaching out to? You know, and so easy coping skills that they can just pull from um, in the midst of, of, of um, those emotional times when they really need them. So I think that's probably key is really taking time to connect and really arming our kids with some great coping skills would be some, and that's all ages. You know, again, this would be all the, these are great skills to start in early elementary school and keep developing and keep having these conversations. It's not a one and done kind of thing. This is, this is an ongoing um, conversation that we have to continue to have because it's really, um, they're going to keep getting met with these temptations and these stressors. Um, they're going to keep encountering vaping throughout their day, throughout their years. So we need to we need to counter that with ongoing conversations about these topics. Salida, can I just follow up on this? Sure. Just what you just ended on, just reminding me of something very very recently. Um, parent comments um, about younger children. So and this would be perhaps like fifth grade sixth grade beginning middle school years and the concern that having these conversations too early so there there often is a thought that my child is too young to hear this and know about this and that by having this conversation I've introduced them to a pretty unique and and interesting and you know possible thing that they want to explore for a variety of reasons and so do you find that students already have I'm not saying it's accurate knowledge but they have familiarity with vaping and vaping yeah. products and everything else about the world of vaping much sooner perhaps than parents think yes. their child has that experience yes. and if For you could sure. just comment on that yeah i do um and i know you know that's makes us sad a little bit to think about it but yes mm-hmm. uh, my fifth graders sixth graders when i'm doing uh, prevention education they know about these products they um they can they can tell me about um even what they look like. I mean, these are these are definitely our kids know about them. Um, when we're having these conversations as a parent, they need to be age appropriate. Yeah, we don't want to give them some of the more advanced information, especially not you know. But uh, you know, and but again, we know our kids. We're experts on our kids, so we know how to approach this. Um, versus like a fifth grader versus a 12th grader but yeah they know about it they know about it in fourth grade they know about it even Mm -hmm. younger sometimes i've done elementary early elementary prevention Mm -hmm. education on these topics too because um it's needed yeah they they see older siblings or they see friends friends older siblings um they're getting exposed to it unfortunately so yeah the time to talk about it is is always now and what does the early what's like some of the things from the early elementary pieces approaches I guess you could say that would be age appropriate 
Um, so, I mean, I guess from a prevention standpoint, we, we do a lot of, um, like for the really, really little guys, we do a lot of like, what's a good medication versus a bad medication. Mm. Um, you know, if the doctor tells you to take a medication and, and your parent helps you take it, that, that's, a, that's a medication that will help you. But if it's, um, it's not a prescribed medication and it's not an overcounter of the medication that your parent is helping you with, um, it's not a medication you want to put in your body. And then there's, um, you know, it, we can go about it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. You can even take the opportunity if you're giving your kid, like, you know, a Tylenol. Like, this is a medication that helps you. Um, there's other things out there that, that don't, you know. There's a lot of ways mm-hmm. that you can go about it for some of our really, really little guys. Um, but I think just asking them what they see, mm-hmm. what they're seeing at school, what they're seeing outside of school, what they're seeing when they go to their friends' houses. Um that's a really good springboard for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, get an idea of what they already know and um, and then go from there. And so, Selena, just to, we have a lot of great information was shared um, in our podcast today. And I know that we will be putting a lot of this resources and information in our show notes for this particular episode. But where can our listeners find information from care and treatment centers and find some of the things that you're sharing with us so that they can stay updated on programs and resources and events. Sure. So um, you can always email me. <laughs> S. Marezi, it's M-O-R-R-E-S-I at Karen, C-A-R-O-N dot org. Um, but we also have a great digital resource. Um, we have parent presentations. We have information about nicotine. We have information about THC, and it's all free. It's all grant-funded and free. Um, so we, you can access all of that information on um, C-A-R-O-N, Karen, dot org, O-R-G, dash, digital, slash, learning. Um, so that actually has some fabulous resources. Again, um, we have a whole parent presentation, interactive parent presentation on there that, that you can um, go through. And also we have on there um, a, a guided, a self-guided nicotine cessation program for your kid. So I can offer in-person nicotine cessation. I can offer um, virtual nicotine cessation groups. Um, but if you feel like there's another resource too, we have a five-week self-guided um, free nicotine cessation um, resource right there. It's called Connect 5. And your kid can go through it and they're prompted once a week to go through a whole series of activities and they have to complete one to move through to, to complete another. And there's actually a certificate that they get at the end that says they completed it. So um, that's on there as well if that's you're really if you're cool. really concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any of those resources. Um, and again, you're always free to reach out to me and I can, I can help guide you to the, the best resource for you. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Selena. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of your information with us. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a great conversation. And I think I'm, I'm hopeful that parents will find it very hopeful. I found it very insightful. So, you know, I got mm-hmm. some some conversations to have with my third grader about, you know, what's he seeing at school, our elementary school, and it goes up to fourth grade, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know what he's seeing, whether it's in person or on a screen. I don't know, but it's, it's worth having, starting those conversations. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks to Selena so much for joining us today. And thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, Please make sure to check the show notes in your podcast player to tap on links to resources and different things that we talked about today. And you can always go to dtownctc.org, which is um, Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown, our website. Um, And you can find my email address below as well. So we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.